you want to be valuable, you want to own more of a business, you want to be getting paid a shit ton of money, then just make the company more valuable. And the company can't not have you. Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What up, party people? It's your boy Converse, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. Today, you are meeting one of my best friends, Anton Potato Sepetov. He's a six foot four, gorgeous Russian man who's taken AppSumo.com and Sumo.com, the companies I help work at, from nothing to eight figures in sales. It's one of the most common questions I get is, how do I do sales? And this guy literally wrote the playbook on sales for both companies. And now he's VP of sales for Sumo.com, where he runs a team of over 10 people. And this is a guy, no joke, who started working with me about five or six years ago, and he was the most junior salesperson in the company. In today's conversation, you'll learn three key things. How did Anton go from junior salesperson to the leader of sales and create an eight-figure business in under five years? Two, exact sales tips, how to send cold sales emails, how to close sales way better than most people, and huge sales mistakes that most people do. And three, the crazy examples of sales in your everyday life, including a romantic love story about Anton and Allison, purchase of an engagement ring. You got to hear that story, plus a bunch more. Enjoy. By the way, if you haven't seen my YouTube channel, you know you want to. For more goodness, you can check it out at okdork.com slash YouTube or search Noah Kagan on youtube.com. What's up? How was uh, your morning? Great. Have some tacos with you, bike ride. My favorite. Uh, what is your favorite breakfast? Uh, recently, cottage cheese. Trying to get a six pack by eating cottage cheese. Are you trying to get a six pack? No, but Barr told me that if you uh, eat cottage cheese for six months, you got a six pack. So if he says it's true. It must be true. That sounds like Jewish lore. <laughs> I, know. I was telling someone yesterday, I think Jews try to take credit for everything. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar, we were talking about, he's a Jew. He's 1% Jew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his brother's cousin was a Jew. <laughs> That's like how the Jewish stuff goes. Totally. So what we're here today to talk about and record and share with the universe forever is how to build a sales team. I think just like the fundamental of how to do sales. Maybe you can share just like your journey from where you started AppSumo to where you are today. So I joined AppSumo five and a half years ago. Started as like a junior sales guy with AppSumo. So I'd never done, you know, cold emails or cold calls or anything like that. And I sort of just was like, let me embrace this and see if I can do this well or not. I think a lot of people are not excited about sales or they think like, oh, I wanted to be a salesman when I grow up. I don't think anyone wants to do that. Because I think sales is a sleazy word. You think of like a guy with his hair slicked back trying to sell you Ford. Your hair slicked back. <laughs> <laughs> like I always wanted to be a CEO. I always wanted to be someone like super cool, right? That runs something. Never a sales guy. But I was like, okay, let me embrace this. Once I kept doing it, what I really liked is that doing sales, you are the one that brings in the money for the company. Sales is something that's been going on for, I don't know, for thousands of millions yeah. of years. I think the more that I like was doing it and the more that I saw that what I was doing was bringing money to the company and growing the company, the more I really enjoyed sales. Our other business, sumo.com, started doing inside sales with a guy named Barr. He started with us and now we grown to a team of eight people and we do inside sales and outbound sales. We bring in like 30 to 40% of total revenue for Sumo, which is awesome. So you started out as the most junior person at the company. Well, I mean, come on, janitor. Yeah, yeah, janitor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. How did you go from the junior person to like running AppSumo, which you ended up doing from a career decision, like in career, like strategery? How were you able to do that? Like I said earlier, I embrace it and I was like, I'm going to fucking kick ass at this, do as much as I can, 
bring in as much money for the company. And if they see that, then they most likely will say, okay, Intel's bringing in a considerable amount of money for the company. We should promote them or give them more. And so I really took it on. And it was like a challenge for me. I, I, like, I loved everything AppSumo. I got to get the best deals. I got to negotiate the best splits. And I got to really grow this business. I think the two things that you excelled at is your communication from writing emails to convince partners. Totally. As well as writing emails to sell Sumolings in addition to negotiating. So what are some of the basic things and common things in email sales or email communication that you think you've learned over the years? Whenever I think that people sit down and try and write an email, like a business email, I've seen my girlfriend do this. I was like, oh, I need to write an email when she's applying a job. She's like, I need to write professionally. And so what does that mean? I need to write super boring. So it's like, to whom it may concern. My name is Shlomo K. <laughs> they try to make it super, super dry and boring. Maybe it's what we were taught in school. Of like, this is how you write professionally. But the way to write is you should just write like I'm writing to you now. Like if I wanted to hang out with you. What email am I going to respond to? Am I going to respond to someone saying, to whom may concern? My name is Johnny and I work for the whatever the... I'm going to be like, no, I'm going to respond to you if you email me and you say, hey, do you want to get dinner tomorrow night? Or hey, check this thing out. One, it's informal. Two, the other parts of that is that you're my friend, right? So people are going to respond to their friends and family. So you should talk to them a similar way. That is interesting because I have heard criticism where people say, well, AppSumo is goofy and it's funny and my industry is not. And I don't think you're saying to go and like include a bunch of swear words and make it like, yo, dog, let's have a barbecue. You're saying just talk like you would talk to them in person. You wouldn't say, hey, to whom it may concern, unless it's their name. Like maybe it's an Asian name. Like your name is who may concern or something. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I think one of the things that I've practiced is like just speaking it out loud. And that's actually sometimes what becomes my emails. Totally. And again, I'm not saying like, oh, what the fuck is up when you're emailing like a C-suite executive, right? I'm going to talk to him how I would talk to him in person. And so in emails that you have training with your team now and the emails you've done in the past, what are some of the elements of effective emails or effective sales emails effective? Like, let me get you on the phone or the emails that you're sending. One is you got to be short and concise. It has to be two or three sentences max. Don't pitch me. So when you have to speak to them, make the whole email about them. Imagine if someone emailed me about like a ring. I was like, I want to tell you about my new ring business. And I'd be like, I don't care. If they emailed me and said, Anton, are you struggling right now finding a ring? Anton, do you need help finding a ring? I'd be like, yes, right? You're speaking to me. So speak to the person. I think that's how many times you say the word I versus you in an email. right. The people on my team, we look at emails and we say, how many times have we said I or we? And we remove those and we rephrase it to you. You are doing this. So we want to help you. Whenever you send like a cold email or cold call, you want to open up with something personable. I would email you and say something, you know, about how you're biking more recently, how you were just in Israel. You make me think about an email I got this morning. Yeah where this guy said, hey, no, I need you. I'm not joking. He probably wrote 50 sentences about things he wanted. And I was just like, I literally just wanted TLDR. But it made me reflect on that everyone is so fucking busy. How do I get them to prioritize and disrupt them from the things that they're doing already? You got to cut through the noise and say something that really matters to them. So we are short and concise. We reach out to businesses and we say, is getting more customers or growing your email list important to you? And if that's really important to them, then yeah, they'll respond, right? They're like, yes. I think the two things that I've noticed from us over the years that I've learned is number one, obviously good subject line matters, keep it short. The one thing a lot of people miss, and it still blows my mind, is they don't have a clear call to action in their emails. Totally don't. Yeah. They're just like, all right, cool. I'm like, yeah, you're like, what do I do now? Yeah. Right? Do I respond to this? <laughs> what do you want me to do here? And so yeah. I think of it lately when I ask for recommendations. So a lot of people, if you think about it, it's like, hey, who do you recommend for marketing? I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a big question. If I just said, who's the first person you'd hire if you started a company for marketing? Who's the first person you'd think of? Oh, the first person I think of would be this. It's like, that's an easier digestible thing. Exactly. It's actionable. So you have to give them like, are you free Thursday at 4 p.m. to talk about this? 
it's ending every single email with a question. So it's like, does that sound good? Let's get started. Do you want to chat then? Yeah, something that they can actually do a binary yes, no, here's my response. Exactly right. When you just say, yeah, please let me know, whatever, no one's going to respond. I think framing it as such an important benefit for them to want to respond. So when we message about AppSumo, and it's not just for AppSumo, but we message the right people and we said, hey, we want to promote you to a million people. And that is something that a business owner that has a product is like, yeah, I want to be promoted to a million people. Of course. And so that is the type of mentality that people, as they're communicating to someone else, is like, why is this so important for them? And how do I make it about them? And that was our subject line, promoting you to 500,000 people. It's not just AppSumo. That's for every single business. It replies if you want to do a guest post on someone else. I get these pitches literally every day. And it's like, hey, can I guest post an OK Dork? Here's my spammy site. The ones that get through say, hey, here's stuff I've already done for you. Or here are things I'm going to do for you. And this is the list. Do you mind? Those are the ones I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, why not? People are sending more and more emails, doing more outbound sales. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. I wonder also how much time people are actually putting into the email. You don't have to overthink it, but are you just like rushing through writing an email? So I think of it like an investment. If you're putting in no time, you should expect nothing back. But if you're putting in like an hour, like I've seen some emails where it's not a long email, but it's very impressive. And I ask them, I say, how long do you take to write this? They're like, oh, about an hour. And I'm like, that's why I responded to you. When I was in high school, I wanted to get an internship to work at a recording studio. I emailed every single recording studio in Austin, Texas. I got a list of like 300 recording studios, emailed all of them. And what I did is I sprayed and prayed all of them the same email. It was all just like, hey, my name's Anton. I really want to work for you, blah, blah, blah. Me, 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 me. I got like two or three responses. I got an internship out of that, right? So I hustled and got it. But if I would have done that now, I would have researched each of those people, put way more time into it, right? Mm. And really cared about each email. It's not overthinking it, but it is putting effort into it, right? One of the things that was like shocking about email sales or email, like 50% of my responses came on my second email. And that is shocking. And the follow-up can be super simple. I think one that we've always done for a long time is just a simple bump. I've always gotten so many responses, not from my first email, but I will just send an email back a couple of days later and say, hey, did you get my email? And then I tweet them very simply and say, hey, shall you an email, John? Do you get my email? They just got an email and a Twitter notification. I think of it as if it's really that important, I will follow through. Because if you imagine, if it's like a girl you like, like Allison, like you probably be like, all right, I'm going to keep hitting you. In, Bro, in respect, I tried forever. Yeah. I mean, it took you <laughs> 10 years to get it. <laughs> but the point is, is like, if it's something you really want, like sumo.com is a good story of it. I followed up every few months for seven years. So for anything you really want, if it's a sale, relationship, you need to follow up. Totally. Don't give up. All right. So one other thing that with the AppSumo experience, you know, I think you were very dedicated, you were committed. And I think what you said, which how can I create more value for the company, which makes me ultimately more valuable. And I think that's a great mindset, a framework for people to think you want to be valuable. You want to own more of a business. You want to be getting paid a shit ton of money, then just make the company more valuable. And the company can't not have you. Totally. One thing you did really well with AppSumo, and I suck at this, so I'd like some advice about it, is like, you were very strong with negotiations. Like a partner would come and say, all right, we want 50-50. And I'm like, okay, great. And you're like, no, it's 70-30. You, know, like, you have like the vodka. Like, My cousin Dimitri told me no. <laughs> yeah. Like you were very strong about negotiating. Like what are things that you think most people don't do or things they could do better about it? The reason that people are scared to negotiate and it's why you say yes to 50-50 is because if you come back to them with something else, you're afraid they're going to say no and walk away. You're afraid you're going to lose the deal. You're afraid that if you tell your girlfriend or whatever that I need this, that they may be like, no, and just break up with you. You can't be afraid to say what you want. When we would negotiate and they would say like, okay, we're going to do 50-50. And I would say, I understand, but because of these reasons, you know, it's going to be 70-30. And I wouldn't be afraid to send that email because there's no harm in sending that email. If they say no, we'll meet in the middle or something. And so I would always just send that email back 
and say with something, right? Okay, let's do 70, 30. And they would always come back with something. They would either sometimes just say yes, and I would be like, perfect, I got what I wanted. Or they would say, no, let's work on something together. So it's never being afraid of getting a no or of getting a, that's not going to work. Did you ever have a time where you pushed it too hard and it didn't work? I've definitely had deals where I would just say, this is it, like leave it or take it. And they were just like, no. And ultimately, I knew that that wasn't a good deal if I didn't get to where I wanted it to be. So they walked away and I was fine. Maybe they came back later and we worked something out. More than other people I've ever worked with, with Sumo Group, you say no more than anyone to me. Yeah. And I think that's also why you've done so well. Not because everything I think of is bad. (laughs) (laughs) I think what you've done is you're like, look, here are the priorities. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. There's a lot of respect. I think that's probably true in the sales process when you're like, hey, guys, actually, I'm going to push back a little bit. That actually increases the respect level. Yeah. Coming back to someone who's saying no, not just to be like hard headed. It's really just leveling with someone. Someone says, this is what I want. And I'll say, look, like, I understand that, but this is where I'm at and we got to get on the same page. How can we work together and come back to them versus like, no, no, but this is what I want. It's never a fight. It should not be a fight. You got to get on the same page with them. I think the other thing that you said that's good in negotiating is also you have to explain why you're coming from that standpoint. You're like, hey, I need 70-30. Here's why I need it. And this is why it makes sense for us to do this together. Exactly. It's not just saying, no, this is it, right? It's like, no, but we're a business and we always have to make money and we have these costs, et cetera. So you went from junior nothing guy to running you know, a 10-person team. What was the process of building that? The first thing I would do, and this is what we did, is we looked at who are our current customers? Who is like buying from us right now? And from there, we have like a customer profile of who we want to talk to, get on the phone and sell to. Because we can sell to anyone on the street, a homeless guy, he's probably not going to buy Sumo. We could try and hard sell him, but it's not going to make any sense, right? And so I would take those characteristics and traits and then try and find more of those people, as simple as it is. You could either do that with inbound selling. So looking at the people that are coming to you and then qualifying them, do they meet these traits? I should talk to them. Or you do it by outbound. You're like, okay, I need to find everyone that uh, loves tacos, wears Mabu socks, and rides bikes. All the no-cakes in the world. Uh, sounds like me. <laughs> what were some of the mistakes early on we made? Yeah, we didn't look at our customers and say, this is who's successful with Sumo. We made assumptions and said, we're going to sell sharing technology to media companies. And we were <laughs> like, okay, let's reach out to you know, all the big media companies in New York. Let's get them on the phone. Let's fly out there, all that sort of stuff. And we did that. We sold a couple deals. But did it do well? No. Because they didn't find value out of what we were providing. So that was number one, Yeah, where we were selling something that wasn't valuable. Number two, I don't think we really modeled it accurately in terms of when we built out our sales team. So we hired this guy, Howie Sister. Howie Sister. I was like 14. And <laughs> we like him. I love Howie. He's a good dude. But That's he great. was selling customers at a $20 a month price point. Didn't make sense. Yeah. And he would have to sell, I think it was like 10 a day to make it even close to him actually covering his own cost, let alone make a profit. Exactly. And so I think if we actually did a little bit better modeling, besides understanding the customers, understanding like an Excel spreadsheet, very simple, like what's a sale, what's the margin, what's his salary, how many does he need to make to actually break even, we would have really clearly seen that wasn't going to work. Exactly right. We broke it down. We said, okay, say we start hiring salespeople. How much money do they have to bring into the company for it to be worth us doing this? And really like what most organizations, companies look for is around like a three to five X ROI. We're paying, let's just say a hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. At the end of the month, how he should be bringing in 300 to 500 bucks for the business, right? So he pays for himself and brings in money for the business. Or what have you noticed so far about an inbound process where customers are coming to our website, signing up on our email list or yeah. trying a demo versus the outbound experience where we're cold reaching out to people we think are the right customers? With AppSumo, that was all outbound selling. 
And then we started doing that with Sumo six months back. We thought it was so foreign. We were like, it's so different. It's going to be so much harder. It really isn't. It's very, very similar. The way that you talk to people is the same sort of way. You want to get on the same page with them, uncover their problems, teach them something, see if we can help. How do you structure as a leader? Because what I'm envisioning someone listening is like, all right, I'm a one-man shop or one-woman shop. I've got five people maybe or 10 people, no salesperson. It's my first one. I know who my customer is. They're going to go sell. Maybe I give them a customer, so maybe I don't. How have you organized them to be effective? You have to model that out, right? So you have to model out how many calls do they have to be on? How many do they have to close that's realistic for them to bring in that three to five X ROI, that 300 to 500 bucks a month. And so that makes it very clear to them. We're like, okay, I have to be on 10 calls today. And then out of those 10 calls, I have to close four sales. If I'm not hitting those numbers, then I'm not going to bring in XYZ for the company or for myself. And I'm not like being a productive salesperson. We break it down on a monthly, weekly, and then daily basis. I need to have 500 calls per month. Okay, per week, whatever that is, per day, whatever that is. I have to make sure that I'm setting up and getting on two to three calls a day. And he's closing one of those customers a day. He's hitting his numbers and perfect. It's a very simple math. If he's doing that, then he knows he's successful and then that's great. What books do you recommend for people starting out or just resources? What are the ones you go to? Yeah, the first book that I immediately think of is Mark Robert's book, Sales Acceleration Formula. Mark came from an engineering background, really thought about things mathematically, not just from like a sales dude, sleazy car salesman perspective. That's the first one. And that's really good. And that also talks a lot about like, who are your first hires for a sales organization? How do you incentivize them? Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. I know you love that one. I also love To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink. That one talks a lot about this like sleazy car salesman and why sales isn't sleazy. Everyone is a salesman. Everyone is. And the more you think about that, I think the easier and better it is. The model that we've done and, and other people can do is figure out your customer, create a model, make a list of who they are, or if you already have inbound, go see who the list is that you can reach out to. As you wanted to hire number two and then number three, tell me a little bit more about how that's structured and what the hell that is. Exactly. So we started with Bar and we started closing customers like, okay, this is going really, really well. And then we looked at Bar's whole process. He was doing full cycle, right? So he would have to reach out to people, set up the call, get on the call, close them, do all the stuff after. And it was just a lot. We're like, okay, what's taking up a lot of your time? What was taking up a lot of his time is finding the people to reach out to and setting up calls with them. And so we said, what if we broke that out and you were just on sales calls all day? How effective would you be? He'd be very effective. He's a very good closer. So then we said, okay, we need to hire what's called a sales development representative. Uh, it's really the person that is responsible for looking at a list of leads or cus- potential customers and reaching out to them and getting them on a call. That was hire number two, was Kevin. And Kevin was responsible for getting calls set up for bar. The way we hired after that was just looking at like, okay, how many potential people can we reach out to? And it's just based on that model of like, okay, this is how many potential people we could reach out to. This is how many calls we could set up. This is how many calls one salesperson could take in a month. How many people do we need? So he said, okay, we need like four to five people. What in the people that you've hired, what do you look for and what do you avoid? I'll say the biggest to me is coachability. And this is why Bar has done so well and other people have done so well is that they can be coached. So they do a call or they do something and then you're like, you sit down with them and you're like, okay, that was good. But in the future, maybe try saying this this way or don't be so aggressive or do it this way. And they take that feedback, the next call, the next email, they implement that and they keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. And they just get better and better and better. If they're defensive and they're like, no, 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 but this is how I do it. I'm like, you're not very coachable. You probably wouldn't mold with us and grow with us. And that's a red flag. The second thing is definitely this hustle and drive. So it's like having a fire under your ass all the time. 
that's how I've always felt. I don't have a fire in my ass like I'm gonna lose my job. But I know that if I don't bring more value to the business, then there's no reason for me to be with the business. So I have to keep providing value. How do you gauge that when you meet someone? I really see what they've done like in their life and have they gone above and beyond. So it's not that they just like did okay in school and they had this job and but did they say that's not enough? Like I'm gonna run this company. I'm gonna be the president of my school. I think that's also related to having some sort of structure or stability in life. So one thing that I ask is like, what do you do outside of work to exercise? Go to the gym. To me, that's important, right? Like everyone on our team does something. They either go to the gym, I ride my bike. I think it's important having that like structure and stability and always relying on something, being accountable. Yeah, you made me reflect on Kevin. When he applied, he made this like very thorough website. It was a Tumblr page. A t- <laughs> <laughs> but he made this site that was you know funny and relevant with images it was something that out of all the sales people apply it was like one in a hundred and it was like wow this guy's going above and beyond he wants to be a part of it he's gonna go and put in the work to be successful here the thing i think most people kind of forget is that literally almost everything we do in our life is sales maybe talk about one of the most recent sales experiences that people don't even think about that was really impactful for you so i am currently ring shopping this is a huge thing that for someone to undertake. What's the ring for? Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For the movie. <laughs> I'm just buying myself a ring, actually. Is this for the Renaissance Fair? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're for, for to marriage. Yeah. To, uh, to marry my girlfriend, Alyssa. And it's a huge purchase. Like this is something that you're going to buy hopefully once ever. And you're giving it to someone super, super special. And you really want them to love it. It's like once in a lifetime. We went and looked at rings like a year ago. That was a super interesting experience. We had this diamond salesman named jack i went into that process just being one we were like okay let's look at rings i want to get a good idea of what she wants but i also want to see how jack tries to sell me this ring and so that was really really interesting he immediately introduced himself and he shook our hands so he was like my name is jack what's your name anton what's your name allison and they kept reinforcing our names throughout the conversation throughout the day so i immediately was like okay this is jack this is not this like sleazy car salesman trying to sell me a ford well it's wild it says a year later and you remember his name Think about exactly. how many people from places you go to, you're like, oh, Stephanie, the barista. You hardly ever do that. And that's interesting. I, yeah, I remember his name. I remember where the jewelry place is and everything. Like I could go and I still can see his face right now. And I was with him for, I don't know, two hours. And then the second thing that I really liked that he did, I thought was clever, is that he would always be talking about the ring and he was talking to her. He was never talking to me because he knows who the decision maker is mm. and she is a decision maker. She's the one that's like, that's what I want. I'm the one that has to take out my credit card later and pay for it very happily, of course. But he always talked to her. Whenever he showed the ring, it was always to her. He put the ring on her finger. I was like, whoa, bro, chill. Like, she's mine. (laughs) That's my property. (laughs) He's like reciting his vows while he's doing it. I'm like, what's happening? This is weird. So it's always like geared towards her. So yeah, I mean, those were the two big things that really happened. And he really tried to close me at the end. I told him, I was like, Jack, I'm not going to buy today. Like, I don't want to buy with her around. How did he try to close? He really kept it open. So whenever we were just looking at it, he would wait for us to say something. He wouldn't be the one that was like, so do you want to buy this right now? Or should we get the paperwork started? He would just wait for us to say something. And so I'd be like, okay, Jack, I think we're good. And he's like, okay, so we're good. So let me start the paperwork and we can get you going today. And I was like, Jack. Like, we're going to leave. Like, I like you and I like this ring, but I need some time. And then he wrote down his name and wrote down like all the diamond info. 
Did he ever follow up? Did you ever hear from him again? So that was the most ridiculous thing. I was like, I know Jack's going to call me. Jack's gonna, Jack has my phone number. He has my address. He's going to send me something. He didn't do anything. He's married to your wife. <laughs> your girlfriend. True. He doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> he calls her. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that is no shit. He's like Snapchatting Alice. <laughs> so he never followed up? He never followed up. And so to me, Jack was like super, super high. And then he didn't follow up. And I was like, that's like one of the rules. It's no- the easiest thing. It probably would have actually bought because we actually really like that diamond and that ring. Follow up is almost top thing. And it's the easiest thing to do. Just keep following up until someone says yes or no. You just need like an answer. Yeah. You get that answer. You get a no. Perfect. Deal with it. And I like these stories and people don't think of sales as like, okay, yes, there's a car salesman, but sales is like you're emailing someone to convince them of something. You're trying to get someone totally. to date you. You're trying to get someone to buy extra fries, whatever it is. You're trying to get into college. That's sales. You got to sell yourself. Ah, that's a good one. What happened recently? You said you went to another ring experience. For sure. So that was a whole year ago and didn't get that ring. Jack didn't follow up. And then coming to now, we're going to propose very soon. This is going to come out afterwards. There, Hopefully she says yes by now. <laughs> Allison, will you marry me? Yeah. This was it. <laughs> Just listen to this podcast. Oh my God, that's cool. <laughs> I know what she wants. I was like, man, I got to get this done. This is like in a month. I've been putting this off. And so went on Yelp, started searching like different jewelers and found this lady and she was like insanely well rated. And I was like, let me read these reviews. People were like, Danielle is amazing. She knows everything about rings. Like I was so unsure and she helped me. And there was, I don't know, it was like five stars and there was like 500 reviews. How did you even think to search for a a ring helper or a ring finder? I I didn't. I just searched for jeweler and she was the first result. So I was just trying to find like good places for me to go to, to go through that process to have another Jack. Hmm. And I was like, oh, this is going to suck. Like I'm going to be sold to again. What she does is she's a consultant for men or women like me trying to buy a ring. And so on her website, it says like, I'll do a free 30 to 45 minute call with you where I'll educate you about rings and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, why not? Because I have a good idea of like the ring size, carrot size, all that sort of stuff. And for her to just tell me where to go. So I was like, okay, perfect. Let me try this. Why not? Filled out her form on her site. The way that she was emailing me and she was like, okay, let's set up a time to chat. It was a great email. She was like, I'm super excited to work with you, et cetera. For people doing quote unquote sales, yeah. I think the way that she framed it is like, instead of me selling you something and come buy, the whole thing was like, I'm going to teach you something for free. You're going to get something out of it. Regardless if you give me money was, is how she's framed it. So let me go educate you. Exactly. I never thought I was actually going to use her or anything. I just thought she's going to tell me the jeweler to go to and perfect. She's basically like my Yelp that I trust her. She emailed me and then this is kind of cool. She was specifically like, okay, we have, we're going to talk at three today, but for security purposes, because this is something confidential you're doing, I don't want you to get caught. You call me. This is my number. I thought that was cool. I was like, felt like I was a secret agent. I was like, okay, I got to call you. Her saying that probably encouraged you to actually follow through with the call. I called right at three on the dot. Immediately, she's like, hey, Anton. And I was like, hey. And she's super personable. Was It's one of those people that you like talk to and you just feel good, right? And I think that's one of those things where like, they talk about like sales and how to be good at sales. You just have to talk to a person like a person is a person. You're not doing a pitch. If she did a pitch to me and was like, I'm going to pitch you on why to buy a diamond. What would have been like the worst experience you could have imagined and then go through what she did? And if she was just really trying to like sell me something, that would have felt very strange if she didn't connect with me in any way. That would have felt very strange. I'd be like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to go online and find something. Or that she just is talking the whole time. Yeah. Like, hey, let me just exactly. tell you about all this stuff or like doesn't ask you anything. Oh, totally. About- yeah. If she made it like a diamond demo and she works for, I don't know, Diamonds Direct or something like that. And I know she's going to get paid commission on the diamond. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do this. Okay. So what did she actually do? And so she immediately is like super warm and welcoming. She's like, you know, this is a big decision. First thing I want to do is I really want to learn about you and about Allison and for you to tell me about, you know, your relationship. And then I'm going to really go into, you know, what is a diamond, you know, other ring, what's really important, what you should look for. And I really want to educate you 
And yeah, and that's just what we're going to do. It's probably going to take 30 to 45 minutes. Is that good with you? And I said, yeah, that's perfect. So she committed you. She confirmed you like, hey, here's the agenda for what we're talking about. So yeah, there were no surprises. I know what was going to happen, which is good. And so she starts and she starts asking open-ended questions about me and about us. She asked about the relationship. Then she asked about Allison herself. And I was like, this is kind of weird. I have to like open up. And she's like, yeah, no, this is kind of weird. But I really want to like know about you because this is a huge decision you're making. And I really want you to feel right about this and that you're picking the right thing and I'm helping you pick the right thing. And so I said a couple of things about like what's important to us and what we looked at last time we went to get rings and why we didn't buy in Austin, why we wanted to buy in San Francisco. And she was like, so I can tell from what you're telling me, it's important to you where you get this ring from. She said that and I was like, wow, like you're right. That actually is really important to me. And so she said, there's numerous ways we can go about that. Certain people just go to like a warehouse and buy a diamond. It doesn't matter where they're getting it from. I think for you, it matters who's the jeweler, who's the one that uh, made the ring, made the diamond. So that made me feel really good. So I opened up. She knows a good amount about me. She's asking questions, taking notes. It's also making me feel really good about the relationship and what we're doing. She's like, that's amazing. I can't believe your story. That's so cool. And I was just like, yeah, like I'm doing this. This is awesome. And I had already known a good amount. If you're buying diamonds, there's this thing called the four C's. And I already knew that. And so I went through like what we wanted. We want like an oval shaped diamond, all the sort of stuff, the setting. And I know most of it, but she's actually educating me even more. She's like, what you're looking for is an oval and you're looking in like the, you know, 1.5, two carat ring. I love how I'm going to say this and people know how much the ring's going to cost. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> if I ever marry Luna, just leave the price tag on it when she walks around. Yeah. <laughs> just like, but you can see how it's like, don't take that out. Don't take that out. <laughs> in case we return it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you may want to return it. During this process, what do you think of the elements that made this a good sales experience? You know, to some part, it's a, almost not even a sale. It's more of it's like, not, yeah. it's more of like an education as a friend be like, hey, here's my recommendations of things you need to do. And you're like, yeah, I have to do that. What are the elements you think she did that made it that way? Once she had rapport, I was able to speak with her and I felt like I was talking to a friend, which was really good, right? So I felt comfortable with her. And then secondly, like I'm saying is the educational piece, right? So she taught me even more about, she specifically said, write these things down, right? At that point, I was like, wow, she's an expert in her field. She knows everything about diamonds. I really trust her. At this point, this is already 45 minutes in. I was like, can you just do this for me? Like, (laughs) why are we still on the phone? I want to do this with you. And so she said there's two options. One was like, I can go to the jeweler myself. And then she gives a final okay on on the ring and diamond. It's like 75 bucks. Or she does everything for me. She's like, I'll go to the store with you, which will be, you know, very reassuring for you. And it'll be cool for us to go together. And I was like, yeah, it'll be awesome. I don't want to go to the store by myself and have to buy like a whatever. The huge purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Just sign me up. Can we just do this? Let's get started now. And I was so excited. It made me so excited about the whole process and what I was doing. I was so excited to buy it. I still am now. When she emails me, I'm excited to get an email from her. She emailed me this morning and she was like, I've been working with the jewelers. I have something like a couple of options we're going to get on the phone today. I was like, I can't wait to see what she put together. So it sounds like a few of the things was the rapport is really important. Yep. Another thing, the kind of underlying tone is that teaching you something you didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like the expert part is that, hey, you need to watch out for this. And you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. The other thing, too, I think at the end is that she didn't come in and like try and hard close me of like, we got to get started. Like if we don't get started today, then then spots are going to be gone, et cetera. I was super excited. And it was funny. She didn't even name the price for like the whole management service. I was like, how much do I have to pay you? She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you. It's so it's 500. And I actually don't have to pay her until I pick out the final ring and I'm very happy with it. See, I love that type of pricing. You're like, look, until I'm happy, then you don't have to get paid. Exactly. Yeah. She wasn't just like Jack, who was just like walked out the store and whatever. Hopefully they come back. 
she specifically said, okay, perfect. So the next time we're going to talk is on Monday because that's going to give me two days to do some research and talk with the jewelers. Just setting the expectations and then following totally. through with it. We've done this for a lot of years at Sumo is that when you talk to someone and you want to sell them something, you put it on the calendar. In one of my favorite lines, hey, I'm open next Wednesday at three. Does that work for you? Exactly. Name a time, right? She, she named a day and time for me. And, and I was like, yeah, that works great. Let's do it. So let's come back to full circle with the AppSumo story. You've built a sales team. You're growing your sales team. For everyone out there today, what is one thing that they can do for themselves to be better at sales in some capacity, whether they recognize they're, they're a salesperson or even if they don't? Whenever I see anybody doing sales, and we work in a co-working space in San Francisco around a bunch of people doing sales, and I'm around it all the time. And I want to sit so many of them down, and I do give some of them feedback, is to make it natural. So going back to Danielle, the, I was talking to you about the diamond, right? It felt so good and natural. And I'm still so excited about the process, right? Don't treat sales as like, I got to do a product demo. I got to pitch something. When you do that to me, you ultimately hurt yourself so much because it's going to feel unnatural. It's going to feel like a push. Maybe you'll close some people, but you're not going to be super successful. You have to make it natural. Like we're sitting down or like you're sitting down with a friend and you're telling them about, you know, your product or whatever it is that you're trying to sell and you're trying to get them signed up. And if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. It's fine. And you need to be comfortable saying that. I was exactly. thinking, I don't think people realize like when you're telling someone about a restaurant, even as a friend, that's a sale. It's like, hey, I, you like Mexican food, don't you? Oh, you know, I like Mexican food. There's this new restaurant. That I know you don't know about it, but if you don't go there, you're going to be missing out. You're making me reflect on my gambit days when we we're doing payments and virtual currency for social games. Mm -hmm. I remember I would go to these companies. I'd be like, tell me about your games. Okay. And how's your monetization? And are you guys making at least this much money? you're not making this much money, like you guys are missing out. You can use another competitor and they may be better, but you know, we'll actually be able to get you this much more money. And it sounds like that was something important to you. And it's kind of more, I guess the way I always thought about it is like, as their advocate, yes. and like, hey, this is actually, if it's good for you, you should do it. And you have to do it. Otherwise you're going to be hurting yourself. If it's bad for you, you should also, and I think you do the great job is it's not for you. Let me tell you that. And that'll actually even build a better relationship with that person. This is just an idea, like hit up one person who didn't buy from you in the past, you could hit up one person to try to learn why you, they didn't close a deal with you. I did that all the time back That's in the great. day. Yeah, I love that. So back in the day with Gambit and even with Sumo.com and AppSumo.com, when people said no to me, I'm like, hey, I totally understand you saying no and mm -hmm. I think that might make sense for you. Can you just reply and let me know why not so I can learn and improve? And yeah. that was my call to action in the emails or phone calls. I learned a bunch. And a lot of times when you do that, they'll say, well, I didn't buy it or I didn't do it because of this. And then you can actually solve that and you know end up selling them. And if you want to be part of a sales team and learn everything he's learned and will learn by the time you're part of it, sumo.com slash jobs. Yes. If you want to learn more about Anton and join him on his sales team, where can they find out more about you? Just email me, please. It's Anton at sumo.com. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anton. Go congratulate him on the Twitter world at Anton Sepetov. That's A-N-T-O-N-S-E-P-E-T-O-V. Special thanks to Jason Sanderson for helping make this audio sound all nice and clean. So fresh and so clean, clean. If you like this episode, go text one friend. Yo, bro, let's go get some froyo. <laughs> all right. I truly appreciate for your support. I love when you guys listen. I love when you comment or tell me you guys are for my stuff. And any feedback, I always enjoy it. Have a spectacular day. What's your favorite arcade game?